Welcome back. R Richard, it's good to see you again, though we're not sitting side by side as we thought we would. Um, yeah, we're still working mm -hmm. on our podcast room. It, it's almost ready. But, um, you know, we took last week off because of a variety of things happening. Um, but we're here today, back again today, recording virtually. All right. Doing uh, the, the finishing the um, podcast, we started on uh, oppositional defiant disorder. Yeah. Um, talked about that disorder in children and got to the last section, which is about the role that age plays, because this is a the title of today's podcast is Timing is Everything, because you will deal with oppositional and defiant behaviors differently depending on the age of the child. Uh, exactly. Exactly. So just as a reminder for folks um, who may have just popped into this one, uh, this podcast, um, in our last podcast that, that came out a couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, a couple of other important aspects of oppositional defiant disorder, um, and especially when it comes to parenting and managing children with oppositional defiant disorder, those kinds of traits. Um we talked about being persistent and, and consistent, you know, sticking to it and, and being as consistent as possible. But we also talked about, you know, that parents need to be really mindful about how they respond to their children. You know, oftentimes we, we go towards rewards and punishments um, as the method of, you know, redirecting some of those behaviors. And, you know, research suggests at least that that's not always the best approach um, when it comes to managing kids with some of those oppositional tendencies. And so, um, you know, we, we talked about the nature of consequences and how we should respond to, to those kinds of behaviors. That's right. Um, we have to remember that there sometimes children can be very, we talk about difficult temperament. There, there are some children who are just born with this sort of prickly personality. Um, they they struggle a little harder against life. Um, they push back harder against parents. All kids push back, not all kids, most kids push back a little. These kids push back a lot. Mm -hmm. And you just have to deal with this child's personality. Some kids right. are just a little tougher than others, even within the same family, the same genes, the same parenting, the same everything. And yet, one child can be very, very different. And so it requires a different kind of parenting with that child. And we have to keep that in mind. Um, you know, you parent the child you have and, and not the child you want. And these, and what I say often to parents is, you know, some kids are very easy to raise. They have an easy temperament. They take direction well. They fall in, they, they accept routines. They accept a schedule. Other children chafe. And when they chafe, they they um, sort of push back against us. And we tend to think of that as defiance. And yet it may not be that. And I think what we're saying here is that it's safe to assume that it's not just defiance. There's something else going on. And you have to you have to try something different. You, you have to use a different approach with these children. Absolutely. Because, you know, again, as, as we talked about in that last podcast, you know, the the, the nature of this diagnosis is that, um, you know, it, it's based upon the perception of the kid's behavior, um, not necessarily right. the kid's behavior specifically, but just how other people, namely parents and teachers and those folks, um, how they qualify that behavior. If they qualify right. the behavior as intentional, then that's oppositional defiant disorder. And, 
Um, and so, yeah, being mindful about that. And so as we move into, you know, the specific section or, or topic of today, you know, timing is everything. And, and it is important that parents and teachers and everyone working with children recognize that at, at different age, behaviors should be looked at differently um, because you know what is appropriate for a three or four year old is very different than what's appropriate for a 15 or 16 year old. That's so right. It's everything. Right. So if you're a parent and you suddenly discover that you are struggling with one of these high spirited kids who, who push back, um, if you think about it in developmental stages, it makes your parenting much easier. Right. So the first stage that we want to talk about is ages two to five. Right. Preschool, toddlers, um, getting your kid ready for kindergarten, however you want to conceptualize it. The the period from age two to five is absolutely critical. And what's critical for parents is this is the time. This is the easiest time to establish routines and to establish that you're in charge and to establish that you're not going to surrender. So there's three important things you want to accomplish. Number one, we want to establish routines. Mm -hmm. If 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 we go to bed every night, you, you know, you you tell your child eight o'clock is bedtime, and you do that over and over and over again for hundreds of days. Eventually, it's going to become a routine. If right. bedtime fluctuates from day to day, it's very then you're always on command. You know, it's like it's time to go to bed, and the child says no okay right. if you establish a routine it's much easier second you have to establish that you're in charge if mm -hmm. you can't be in charge with a three or four year old you're not going to be in charge with a 13 or 14 year old right exactly and I, and I think it's important to to qualify that just a little bit because we don't want you to think that what we're talking about is a authoritarian charge That's right. you're, you're not we're not talking about that what we're talking about is that parents um that as the parent you're responsible for what's happening and what what we're doing mm -hmm. we're not doing and while you will hear and listen to and even sometimes even adjust things based upon what the child wants right your decision is the final decision and right. and, and that's what the what kids need to understand right. um, you don't have to be because i said so you don't have to be because i'm in charge because i'm the parent you don't have to do any of those kinds of things right. to be in charge <laughs> you can be in charge simply by saying no, we're not going to do that today. Um, we're going to do this. And again, sticking to it, being consistent and persistent. Um, right. And you don't even have to be angry. Right. You, but you have to be persistent. Right. Okay. Absolutely. And so, and the third thing is, I'm never going to give up. You, I am not going to surrender. Mm -hmm. And and kids sort of have to get that idea that, my God, no matter what I do, my mom just, just, she just doesn't give in. no. I'm not going to give in. You right. need to understand that I am not going to give in. We're right. going to do this and we're going to do it. I'm not angry, but I am going to be persistent. Okay. Right. The other thing we need to talk about spanking um, for a hundred reasons. But the main one is if you think that you need to spank a child, you better do it before age five. Yes. Because after that, you, you may not, you may not want to do it at all. You may not have to do it at all. But if you're going to do it, if you think you need to do it, you better do it before age five, and you better be very, very careful with it. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna adjust that just a little bit and, and say you, you shouldn't do it, 
But if you feel as though you need to, um, or you feel as though that is something that that you're going to to use as a as a strategy or as an approach to manage your child's behavior, then yes, it should be done prior to the age of five, and not in an angry way. You know, we've we've done a number of podcasts where we've talked about spanking and and demonstrated how the research suggests that it's not in any way as effective as people would like to think that it is, um, and and we won't go into all of that here, but. Um, but if you're going to use it, you use it when the child is younger, you, you you use it very sparingly and you don't, you know, spank the child to the, to, to an excessive point in, in any way. Um, so you need to be very, very careful with spanking at any right. age. A- a- absolutely. And you certainly don't want to do it, to use it as a strategy later, as a child continues to age, right. um, especially past once they're getting into the school age. Um, because and if just- you find yourself spanking repeatedly, it's it's a good sign that it's not working, right? right? So you may want to abandon it altogether, right. um, you know. So, but be very careful with this. But certainly, we put it in this age group because this is the only time that you, if you're going to spank, hopefully you won't. But if you are, uh, not after age five. Right. And the last thing is, we want to model the behavior that we want our child to display. Remember, we're dealing with kids who are there. It's easy for them to ignite. They tend to have temper tantrums. Um, they tend to be very emotional. They can't regulate their emotions. They fight with us. So we want to demonstrate calm behavior. If we're getting angry, if we're getting loud, our child is going to model what they what they see from us. Okay, What we have to do through our behavior is model the behavior that we want. What happens in many cases is the child will get loud. The parent will get louder. The mm-hmm. child gets loud and the parent, no. We want the child to come to us, not us to go to the child. Right. The child is already dysregulating. As an adult, we have to bring the child back to emotional regulation. To We have to bring them back to calm, not start screaming because they're screaming. Uh, absolutely. And before we leave this age group, this two to five age group, I, I want to just throw it out there really quick that, you know, we started with two to five because our, our perspective of kids younger than the age of two, the kids prior to the time that in which they would sort of go into those terrible twos. Um, we, we've talked in previous podcasts also about sort sort of the biological changes that happen at, around the age of two and, and how kids' brains begin to change pretty dynamically at that mm-hmm. age. Prior to that time, you know, the, the likelihood or the probability that we're talking about truly oppositional behavior is extremely small you know um yes we've had parents come in with you know 18 month olds or parents of older kids who come back and say oh well he's been like this since he was a a newborn um kids at those ages they don't really have the cognitive sophistication to manipulate and to be oppositional in the true sense of the word oppositional they may be difficult. They may have difficulty um, taking on to routines, but that's a temperament issue at that age. That's that's not truly a behavioral issue. And it's not until kids start going through some of those biological changes at two or so at about two or so um, when you see that, OK, this is getting to be something more more cognizant, you know, more right. decision making as opposed to something more temperamental. Right. Yeah, because that that happens. We're going to talk about this later around seven or eight. 
is right. when kids get that capacity. But right. Yeah, you're right. So uh, the you next age group. Spoil, you're not going to spoil an infant. Right, you know, right. Absolutely. So the next age group is obviously um, elementary age. And right. this is, you know, kids start school about the age of five. Um, and, and through those elementary school years, um, hopefully what we want is that all of those routines that you established during the early childhood, um, all of those routines are going to continue. And by this time, they should really be in place. That's right. We eat meals at this time. You brush your teeth twice a day. Um, you go to bed at this time. You get up at this time. These are your chores. All of those routines need to remain in place. Okay. But the next challenge is that now the kids are going to be out in the world. They're, they're going to be in school with teachers, with other adults, with other children. My role now is I'm here to help you, but I am not here to guarantee your success. You, right. You're kind of on your own now. You're you're going out into the world, and you're gonna you're gonna encounter some challenges. You're gonna encounter some difficulties. I will be here to support you and help you, but I'm not here to fight your battles for you, and I'm not here to guarantee your success. Absolutely. Along with that, you're gonna run into consequences. You're gonna forget things. You're gonna get low grades. You're going to get in trouble. Um you're going to encounter consequences, but I'm not here to protect you from those. Right. You must experience those consequences because in through those, you're going to learn um, a lot of the lessons that you're going to need as an adult. So I'm not here to guarantee your success and I'm not here to protect you from natural and logical consequences. Absolutely. And so how this relates in, in many ways is it helps we don't want children to grow up thinking that, well, if I have a problem with my teacher, if I get in trouble at school, right. my dad's going to come in and get onto the teacher right. Um, right. And, and save me. Um, mm -hmm. Kids need to know that if you misbehave in these different environments, there's going to be consequences in those environments, whether it's home or school or at the playground or, or wherever it is. And, and um, that helps sort of shield or protect the child from developing those like a, a sense of entitlement and and that um that untouchable perspective that some kids tend to have um you know we are not you know parent the parent cannot be the child's wingman they can to, to be there to make sure that the the space in front of them is cleared so that all they have to do is attend and um you know get a participation trophy or something um they, they they will experience consequences to their actions we will listen we will be we will we will make sure that we have all of the information before a decision is made but they don't they need to know that it is not guaranteed that we are going to believe them above all else that's right that's right we're, there's we're going to listen to we're going to get the teacher's opinion on this one you know? right so, so no but kids have to go through these consequences. That's why we like um, sports for kids or any kind of scouting or sports or get out there, do things that challenge you and, and encounter those consequences when you're in elementary school. That's the time to do it. This is the easiest time for kids to learn how to take responsibility for their action because the stakes are so low. Right. Okay? So, so there's much that has to be done here in elementary school. But the main thing is I'm not here to protect you. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm your support, but I'm not going to protect you. Right. Okay. Now, the, the next stage <laughs> is, 
it, the next it, one is a tough time. <laughs> this is a very difficult time. And and right. middle school, middle school is a very dynamic time for mm-hmm. kids and mm-hmm. and parents. Um, it is a very difficult time. And 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 I, I often half jokingly just refer to middle schoolers as just animals. They 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 are they almost many of them, not not all, of course, but many of them almost resort back to revert back to uh, sort of um, feral <laughs> sometimes. But it's, it's a return feral. to feral. It's a return to feral. It, it really is. They become very emotional right. uh, creatures at this age. I mean, but it's, it's normal. It's biological because the brain goes through this massive change and it overwhelms their thinking. Right. It just does. And so the first couple of years after puberty are probably the most difficult time of a child's life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the terrible twos and puberty that are the two really tough times. Right. So the early sixth, seventh, and eighth grade are probably going to be a difficult transition period. There's mm-hmm. really not a lot we can do about it because we're fighting biology. Right. Absolutely. So it, it is another example of why those early routines are so important because. That's right. Get them established. Get all that stuff established before your teenage years, because it gets it's going to get a lot more difficult after they hit puberty. Yeah, I, I can imagine all those parents listening who um, who who have middle schoolers who didn't necessarily have the opportunity to set those routines early on and thinking, you know, well, there's no way to go back in time. Um, so we understand that. But this is a time that, you know, you, you build those routines. And again, going back to that consistent and persistent, that this is what we're doing and, and try to get into those routines. But the the I think that the, the underlying and biggest message that parents of middle schoolers need to consider is you really this is a time where you really have to choose your battles. Right. Um, there are going, <clears throat> you know, kids at this age, they're going to they're going to push back about just about everything. Not everything. That's right. Um, it, it is truly a return to, to those those terrible twos where everything is no from the child. They're going to respond to everything with no. Um, they, they don't want to do this. They, you know, do you have homework? No. Do you have to do this? No. They're going to attempt to dodge. They're going to attempt to to turn and twist and manipulate things to to work in their best effort or their best interest but parents really have to focus on choosing their battles in an attempt to again remain consistent and persistent right because everything will if you're not careful everything will be a battle that's right and but it, again it's normal because this is the time when kids begin to separate from their parents you want them to separate that's the terrible irony here is we want our kids to be independent, to be able to do things on their own without us holding their hand. Well, it's not something, they don't wake up one day and suddenly are able to do that. It's a transition that begins with puberty. Kids will learn um, adult responsibility, but in order to do that, they have to separate from their parents. Mm -hmm. And separation means they're gonna push you away. They're gonna push you away so that they can start making their own decisions. So. It's a normal thing that you're going to go through. So don't panic. There's no need for you to panic when you get to this stage. This is going to pass. They're going to settle down. They're going to, they're going, as they go through middle school and high school, you'll notice that they begin to settle down. So this is a, this is transitory. It's going to end. 
but you have to stay calm. Again, you can't start fighting. You have to avoid power struggles. You're not going to get everything that you want at this age. Right. Remember that you're moving from an adult-child relationship to an adult-adult relationship. And you may not want to do that, but your child does. And right. you're going to have to negotiate this. Absolutely. And, and so, you, you know, just as a couple of concrete examples, you know, when we get to this age and in this period of, of development, you know, if you so choose, homework can end up being a, a you know, a, a world war in your That's home right. every night. Right. Um, and it will, if you're not careful, it will interfere interrupt and and damage your relationship almost permanently you know oh, yeah. careful because right. mm-hmm. um, you are setting the stage for what's going to continue to happen and so you have to decide is this where i want to you know is this where i'm going to dig my trenches and this is where i'm going to hold because if so you have to consider the consequences of that because my question always is, how do you force, how do you make a child do homework? I, I, I don't know how you make the child. You, you can spank them. You could beat them. You could take away everything that they have. But if they say no and they just don't do it. There's really nothing. There's nothing really to do. Mm-hmm. So, so really think about if that's going to be a battle for you. But also think about we've talked many times on the podcast about letting kids fail because, and, and I would much rather my mm-hmm. child fail in middle school absolutely, and either in high school or college or, or anywhere else. Um, so if they're not going to do it now, it's best that they experience those consequences when it, when it, when the consequence, when, when the, when the problem with it or the long-term consequences are far less than right. later on when those consequences are more dire. Yeah. If kids, if kids are going to fail, if they insist on not doing their work, which means they're going to fail, much better to do that in elementary school, much better to do it in sixth grade than eighth grade. Right. Okay. So the, the sooner you deal with that issue, the better. And when I say deal with that issue, it's not enforce it or force the child to do it because that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. The child must experience the consequence of not doing his or her work. And that's going to be get a zero and fail the class. It's much better to fail sixth grade math than it is to fail algebra one. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you got to manage those expectations and, and recognize that there are other consequences outside of the house. You know, um, parents, my goodness, Richard, I talked to parents. I don't know if you've had this issue recently, but man, I've been talking to so many parents who are frustrated with their middle schoolers because their middle schoolers don't want to shower and they don't want to do these things. <laughs> I don't know what it is with teeth and showers. I don't know, but you know what? Let them go to school smelly. Now, right. I mean, I get it that there will be consequences and that, you know, you don't want them to be dirty and, and all that, but you know, those social consequences, if the social consequences don't change those behaviors, I don't know that there's a lot that you're going to do that's going to change those consequences. You're absolutely, but I'd say that two or three more times because if bad breath and body odor, by the time you get to middle school, society is going to start 
delivering the consequences. Okay? Right. Worst thing you can do is to inter- do not rescue, do not interfere. Let society take care of these things that we worry about, like right. taking a shower and brushing your teeth. Yeah. Social consequences will take care of those things. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now, fortunately, kids <laughs> then transition to high school and, and by and large, for the <laughs> most part, things get easier in high school. Now, there, there is a very small subset of this population that who go into high school and, and those problems continue and, right. and exist. And, and, and that's a very different scenario because that's when we're talking truly talking about oppositional defiant disorder and even conduct disorder or the the emerging uh, like an antisocial personality type of thing and so if we're if it's continuing into this you know into those latter um Mm -hmm. high school years you're probably talking about something far more significant than what we typically see So, so it tends to get a little bit easier in high school but as you said a few minutes ago um this you truly now are talking adult to adult relationship right right they still live in your home they're still dependent on you yes but they are thinking and feeling and emoting as an you know as a young adult right um about you know Last week, uh, we talked about about 30% of children with oppositional defiant disorder um, go on to develop conduct disorder. And conduct disorder essentially is you're breaking laws, okay? You're you're stealing, shoplifting. um, Violating the rights of others. Right, violating the rights of others. About 30%. When you get, by the time you get to late middle school and high school, there's a bifurcation that occurs. Either the oppositionality is going to decrease some as the brain matures, or it's going to get worse. In 30% of cases, it will get worse, and you're going to move into conduct disorder. Each of those requires a very, very different approach. Mm -hmm. But again, society is going to provide the consequences. If your child moves into illegal um, antisocial behaviors, um, they're going to run afoul. They're going to run into problems with the legal system. Mm-hmm. They're going to run into problems with the school system. Um, and so there are going to be much more significant consequences that society will impose. Right. That's one set of problems. In 70% of the cases, kids who were oppositional as young children and even as middle schoolers begin to settle down and they're less oppositional as high school students. So this is an important distinction to make about the time that they reach high school. Now, one other thing that we want to mention, you think you have until age 18 to create an adult. But as we've talked many times, you only have until 16. Right. Actually, 15. Yeah. Okay, you right. this better be moving in the right direction at about age 15, because yeah. at 15, a child should be interested in learning how to drive. Right. Yeah. But by the age of 15, now you're talking about, you, you know, that the, the, the child is really working towards independence or should be um, and, and real as as dignified as signified by getting their learner's permit, getting mm-hmm. the driver's license and, and having the capability the maturity, the, um, you know, the, the behavior management ability to get behind the wheel of a car and, and right. drive. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're talking about that's an adult responsibility at 16. 
Okay. Not only are they putting their life in danger, but they're putting the lives of other people in danger. And so exactly. you have to yeah. be ready for that. And yeah, that's at 15 or 16. So that's we don't even have till 18. So when we talk about an adult relationship, that's that's the kind of stuff we're talking about, that your child better be looking more like an adult at 16 than a child at 16. Okay, yeah. So you have to start treating that person more as an adult than a child. Right. Absolutely. So so as we kind of wrap up what we're talking about today, um, you know, at different developmental ages, we have to be mindful of what our expectations are. We have to be mindful of what we are demanding and expect and wanting from from our kids and, and to make sure that it's appropriate for where they are in development. There, there are certainly stages of development where you know, we tend to ask too much. Um, and then there are other periods of time where we don't ask for enough. Right. Um, so we have to be mindful of that. But I, I think when it comes to parenting kids with challenging behaviors, one of the things we have to be careful of is that recognizing that the smaller we make their world, mm-hmm. the more pressure they're going to put on us. To get out of it, right. right. Because right. They, they want out of there. That's right. And, and, it's, and especially it's, as they get older. Right. Simple laws of physics. If you squeeze it into a smaller space, the pressure increases. And if you think, if, if you try to make your child's world very, very small, I'm going to track where you are. I'm going to monitor you. I'm going to drug test you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. The more you reduce the size of the world that they can function in, the more pressure you create for them to uh, escape the boundaries. So make the world big enough for them to learn. Let them make these mistakes while they're with you before age 15 or 16, uh, certainly before age 18. Yeah. And it's certainly okay to have to to give them a smaller world when they're younger. You know, it's very different for an eight year old to have a relatively small world than it is for a 15 year old to have a small world because the 15 year old is going to find other ways to meet those needs that they're trying to meet. Right. And so whether that means sneaking out or, or just lying to you or, or, uh, you know, leaving school and, and mm-hmm. other things, um, they're going to, they're going to have many more resources to do those kinds of things than an eight year old. So their world has to expand as they get older. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so we, we have to be mindful of that, but parents, again, I'm going to go back to that word, consistent those words consistent and persistent right. you can't give up you, exactly. you have to keep going and you have to keep working because that's what you and your child needs for them right. to be successful you know we we have a, the next line here is you can never give up um, you can never ring the bell uh, navy seals you know, when they want to give up they they get up and they ring this brass bell which means i give up as a parent you can never ring the bell you, you you just don't have the luxury of saying, I give up. Um, you cannot give up. You're going to have to change. You might have to change. Look, when you reach that point, all you're saying is what I'm doing isn't working. So I need to try something else. Right. It's not that you failed. It's that this isn't working. So let's go find something that does work. There's always something that will work. Right. We just have to find what it is. Right. Um Third, use a non-confrontational approach. Right. You can't poke these kids. You can't continually. Con- if you confront these kids, they're going to fight back. Right. It's it's a very simple. Um, it's a very simple matter. 
if you poke these kids, if you push these kids, if you're screaming at these kids, that's all going to come back. They're going to fight. These kids fight back. And right. you have to remember, you have to remember whom you're dealing with and what you're dealing with. Right. These kids are different and they have to be dealt with differently. Right. Yeah. M- many times we just have to really consider the, the law of parsimony. Less is better. You know, you don't. So we often feel as though we have we we need to do more than we really have to do. We don't really need to do as much as we do. Yeah. You know, the less talking you do, the better. The less screaming you do, the better. The less spanking you do, the better. The less of all the things the parents do is better, especially right. with these kids. Yeah. Um, you know, by definition, they are oppositional and defiant. But it's not it's probably not intentional. Right. It is they're trying to manage their world as well as they can. Right. And we have to remember that they're struggling just as much as we are. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that is it for today. Um, we will be back next time and I think wrap up uh, our conversations about oppositional defiant disorder. But um, we'll be back next week for a little bit more. So until then, stay happy, stay healthy and forget to be afraid. <laughs>